0: learn more at marines.com
1: you're tuned in to the cleveland baseball talk podcast i'm joe noga and i'm joined by paul hoines our tribe beat writer here on cleveland.com paul it's the offseason it's good to hear from you uh we're, we're going to try something different here. We're going to, we're going to go through our, uh, I, I've got my tuxedo on, you, you <laughs> can, but, uh, the stack of envelopes is right next to me. We've got our awards show. Is it, um, is it a
0: red carpet rolled out?
1: <laughs> red carpet interviews and everything. We're, we're all set. Uh, it's uh it's award season, uh, a little bit before the, the, uh, end of the playoffs here. Uh, we're going to pass out our Cleveland Indians awards for the 2019 season. It wasn't, uh, didn't end the way that uh, a lot of people wanted it to, but still a lot of good, uh, a lot of good to find in the season. Uh, you know, it was a, a, a long six months, uh, plenty of, of little gems and, and nuggets to overturn. So uh, let's get started uh, right off the top with the Joe Charbonneau Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, Paul, the nominees are Oscar Mercado, Zach Plisak, and Aaron Savali. Uh, what do you think of the field in this one?
0: Yeah, that's a good group. And, uh, you know, they really – the Indians got a lot of contributions from younger players uh, this year that came up uh, from Columbus and from, came up from Akron as well, too, uh, that really, you know, helped them win 93 games. Uh, you know, that that's a good field, too. Mercado, policex Savali. Uh, you know, Mercado in center field really kind of stabilized that position after uh, Leonis Martin you know, was was uh, uh, DFA'd. And then Pulisic and Savali, you know, as Francona said many times, really saved, uh, saved the Indians because they came right up in there and uh, stabilized the rotation.
1: Mercado, in 115 games, hit 15 home runs, drove in 54, uh, and had a 761 OPS. Uh, so, you know, not bad. I, I would like to see what he can do over a full 162 game uh schedule I, you know that would be interesting to see how how he would hold up and how the numbers would hold up uh Plesak and Savali obviously uh came in contributed uh tremendous uh you know like you said from the from the player development system and and for them to be able to come up and and do what they did uh Plesak 8 and 6 uh Savali uh Plesak was 8 and 6 in 21 starts and Savali uh, came in, went three and four in ten starts. Uh, you know, throw the numbers aside. Just, just passing the eye test uh, for me. Out of the three rookies, um, Savali was the one that sort of surprised me the most. Just for him to come in and 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 you know pitch the way he did. Uh, obviously, Mercado probably provided the most value to the team.
0: Yeah, I, I, if if I was voting, Joe, I, I'd have to go with Mercado. Just everyday guy, uh, he had, you know really filled filled out that second spot behind uh, Lindor in the lineup and, you know, produced, uh, you know, produced uh, offensively, stole some bases. Uh, he had his moments in center field, some good, some bad. Uh, I, 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 hopefully we don't have to see him too much in left field. And, uh, uh, but I thought he had a, you know, a, a really a, a solid rookie year. Um, I, I like what Frank has said about him uh said he you know he had some ups and downs but when he when he went into a down period he always was able to uh climb out of it and uh get back and uh get, find that uh you know the upper level of his game so that was I, I thought he showed a lot of bounce back a lot of heart
1: and that's uh you know that's one of those things that sort of separates players as as they grow is is the ability to come back uh you know out of those slumps like that uh all right i, w- I want to remind uh, everybody who's listening uh, as we go through these awards, we will be posting uh, uh, polls for you to take and, and you can vote and we'll reveal the votes that the uh, the, the listeners uh, chose for each, each one of these awards as we go uh, on our next podcast. Uh, the Lou Boudreaux Coach of the Year Award nominees go to Terry Francona, uh, Carl Willis for the job that he did with the, the pitching rotation, and uh, we're going to promote Ruben Niebla here, uh, the director of minor league pitching. The minor league pitching coordinator, Ruben uh, Niebla, give him a nod for uh, for what he did um, uh, with the, the young pitchers on the staff. Uh, obviously, Tito, this is probably one of the best jobs that he's he's ever done in terms of managing uh, a roster that was just decimated by injuries and to still have the team contending with, within uh, a week of the end of the season is is, is pretty good uh like we said Willis you you, you eliminate uh you know three fifths of your your um starting rotation and for them to, to still be uh one of the top pitching staffs in the in the league is is, is also pretty good. Uh what do you think of this uh, this field here Paul?
0: Yeah another another good choice Joe. Uh I thought Frank Kona really you know could have lost the ball club and, and you know right in their they're what eleven and a half out on June third. Uh, they came all the way back, caught the Twins, passed them, were in first place for one day by half game. I think it was uh, August 14th. And uh, and then, you know, the Twins hit, found another gear and uh, got their legs back under them and, and, you know, reclaimed the division. But just to come back from that far away, you know, from that big a hole, uh, you know, that says something about, I think, Tito's leadership, about his ability to uh, – you know, he always says you got to be the same guy day in and day out. You got to concentrate on the day, on the game at hand, not to uh, you know close the door on yesterday and not to look, not to uh, look too far into the future. And I think that the whole team took his attitude and uh, you know took his lead on that, and that's why they were able to close the gap and stay in contention as long as they did. So thought he did a great job. I think Carl Willis, uh, you know, really. Uh, did a nice job with the, with the rotation. And, um, you know, in just incorporating those young guys into it and helping them, uh, you know, adjust to the big leagues really on the fly. Please, you know, Plutko, uh, Savali, you know, not so much Plutko. He, he's been up and down a, a bunch in the, in previous years, but, you know, Savali and Police, those guys weren't even in big league camp.
1: Right. Yeah. That's the first they, time they, they saw them. The,
0: they started the year at double A and uh, Niebla, you know, I think, uh, uh Ruben did a great job and, and you know the coaches and instructors under him did a great job getting these guys ready. I mean you you look at that whole rotation, you know, starting with uh starting with even Kluber, a healthy Kluber, those guys, you know, have all gone through the kind of the Ruben Niebla uh school of pitching in, in the minors. Uh, you know, that includes uh uh Clevenger, you know, uh Beaver. Uh, all those guys, and uh, you know, he's made big adjustments in all their rot, in all their deliveries, and he's got those guys ready to to, you know, to not only as as you know, Francona and and even Kluber has said, not only to get here, that's one thing to get to the big leagues, but to help your team win. That's that's the biggest thing, and uh, and Ruben and his staff uh, did a great job with that. Yeah.
1: So uh, again, that's it. It might not look, uh, you know. You might not have a lot of choices uh, as far as the, the different coaches in the, the system, but that's a, that's a tough pick. Uh, I mean, uh, it, Tito, obviously, at, at the front, and, and Niebla, you know, kind of behind the scenes, uh, and Willis right there every day grinding out with the, uh, the pitching staff. That's, that's going to be a tough one to, for, uh, for the listeners to, uh, to decide on, I think. But if I, if I were voting, uh, I would give a nod to, uh, to Ruben Niebla and the player development staff.
0: Yeah, because I mean, he they provided the talent. I mean, it's right. and you have to have talent to to to. It all starts with talent, and you've got to have those pitchers ready. You know, not just uh, not just showing up and walking through the door of the clubhouse at Progressive Field, but you know, ready to go onto the mound, throw quality pitches, and help your team win.
1: All right, let's stay with the pitching theme. Our Bob Feller Award for the uh, the best pitcher, uh, rather than Cy Young we'll go with the uh, the Indians legend Bob Feller as the the namesake for the award. Uh the nominees are Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, and Brad Hand. You got to throw Brad Hand in there, uh you know, uh for the first maybe, you know, half of the uh, of the season Brad Hand was as good as any pitcher in baseball. So, uh you have Shane Bieber who Won 15 games, uh, was second in the league in strikeouts, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, third in the league in strikeouts, second in innings pitched. Uh, Mike Clevenger came in, he won 13 games, went on a, on a real hot streak there, uh, winning up uh, like, something like 10 decisions in a row. Uh, he finished with 169 strikeouts in just 126 innings pitched. Uh, despite missing two months with a, a, an injury that could have cost him the entire season, uh, Brad Hand in the first half of the season, uh, you know, pitched his way onto the All Star team. Uh, he had 34 saves uh, on on the year, uh, and and his his ERA was uh, you know one something before that June 25th uh, blow up against Kansas City. Uh so that's the field. Uh what do you think uh of these guys, Paul, uh as far as nominees for Bob Feller
0: pitcher of the year? Yeah, I think you you probably have to go with Bieber, Joe, and just uh from uh just the the total package kind of thing. Uh you know, this guy, you know, second year in the big leagues, he makes he makes thirty three starts. He pitches over two hundred, you know, two hundred and fourteen in the third innings. 259 strikeouts, That's you know, crazy. in, in, you know, I mean, and uh, 40 walks, you know, his batting average against was 230. I mean, you know, without him, without uh, when you, especially when you leave, lose Carrasco, you lose, uh, uh, you lose uh, Kluber, your two lead dog starters, you know, you need somebody to step up there and, and pitch innings, pitch against the other team's best starter. And, uh, you know, just, to get a team consistently deep into the game, and he did that. He did that. You know, it took a toll on him. You could see that toward the end of the year. You know, in that last uh, road trip, I think he was tired. Uh, but uh, I give that guy all the credit in the world. I'd, I'd have to go with Beaver. I would have loved to see Clevenger. You know, if he could have stayed on that role he was on and he didn't get hurt, because he was he was dealing from you know from the first week of the season. Right, and he hurts the shoulder and. uh doesn't come back, you know, he misses them, what, five, six weeks. Uh, and at hand, you know, you, you, you don't win without a closer. This guy saved, what, 34 games in, like, 38 chances, 39 chances. You know, all closers probably blow four to five. You know, it looked worse because of, you know, what happened to him in the second half. He just looked a little tired. He, obviously, he was tired. And the way his season ended, you know, we saw him, like, pitch on the last uh, – the last home game of the season, then we didn't see him again. So right. uh you know, but I you know, if I'm voting, I've got to go with Bieber.
1: Yeah, I think Bieber would get the award in my mind just because of consistency uh over the course of the season. But to me, Kleviger's stuff was fantastic. It it was it was he had superior stuff to anybody else on the staff all year long. Uh, you know, fastball life, movement, uh he he could go out there and give you a stretch of innings in in any particular game where you had no chance. So uh, I think uh, Clevenger's stuff was dominant, you know, throughout the year
0: and probably some of the best in the league, uh, if, if you think about it. Yeah, no um, argument there. I just would have loved to see him, you know, p- uh, go 200 innings, make 30, 33 starts, and just see what he could have done because he – he, you know, they they probably win the division if he's healthy. You know, from day one, I think uh, they, you know, they're not finishing eight games back. I know that. Right, and,
1: and maybe some of the other pitchers, you know, maybe Beaver uh, is able to get a day or two or yeah, a, a, in and in the rotation and, and not be running on fumes at the end of the year. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, the Joe Jackson Silver Slugger Award, uh, named after the Indians' all-time leader in batting average. Uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, Santana, Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, and we throw it in as a as a nominee, Roberto Perez, who had a career year as well. Uh, that's that's a loaded question right there. I think uh, there's you've got a you know a top five player in all of baseball in Lindor. You've got Santana who had a career year in pretty much every every way possible. And same with Roberto Perez. I would have loved to have seen Roberto Perez stay completely healthy and maybe catch 120 games, uh, you know, this season. But uh, he was still able to put up a career-high 24 home runs this year. Uh, what do you think of these guys, Paul?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, those those are some good uh, choices. You know, I've got to go with Santana. I think, you know, Lindor missed uh, – you no, know, missed games. 20 games in, at the beginning of April, and that's not his fault. He was hurt. Uh, but I think Perez was kind of the dominant force in that lineup. You know, he hit in the middle of the lineup, you know, from day one. He was consistent. Uh, he gave the Indians power. He gave and, uh, you know, run production. And he really kind of drove the bus in in the first part, especially in the first half. You know, he went to an all-star game for the first time in his career uh Lindor you know I love Lindor um really liked the way he uh you know refused to come out of the lineup what he 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 missed that most of April and still played what 140 games
1: yeah I mean mean, even when he came back in April he didn't like space it out he just hit the ground running and, and stayed in the lineup even if he was feeling sore uh you know with the calf and the ankle injuries he played through it and by the end of the year you were you totally didn't even remember that he had he had been sort of hobbled in the first half of the season.
0: And then he goes, what, over 30 home runs, 40 doubles for the third straight year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting production out of your leadoff hitter. I think, you know, they seriously have to think about maybe moving him down in the lineup next year and, and taking advantage of that power because, you know, I think uh, he, he really he could have been a much more effective. I mean, I think he could have driven in a lot more runs, you know, if you, if you move him down and hit him three maybe. Get him five, or I, I know you want to get as, him as many bats as you want, and uh, the leadoff spot works well. But if you're if the bottom of the order isn't getting on base, he's not doing you too much good up there.
1: All right. Uh, so those are the uh, the nominees, obviously Santana. Uh, you know, just in uh, 34 home runs, it tied his career high. But it wasn't just the home runs; it was uh, the consistency all the way through, which is something that we hadn't seen in his career to this point. Was you know, hitting in April, which he basically carried the, the ball club uh, through the, the first two months of the year uh, offensively.
0: Yeah, and I like the fact, you know, he changed his approach, Joe. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, was, he, he wasn't a dead pole hitter like he, he'd always he'd been in the past. He tried to hit the ball up the middle. And this is a guy 33, 34 years old, and you don't see veteran guys change, that, change like that. And this guy made a conscious effort to uh, use the whole field more, and, and it really worked well for him.
1: Yes, and, and the on-base machine. I mean, he, he, if he's not going to get you a hit, he's going to work you a walk or take you deep. Uh, you know, nobody saw more pitches on this team than than Carlos Santana this year. Uh, moving on to the Omar Vizquel Gold Glove Award. Uh, so we've got uh, a couple of nominees here. Uh, obviously, Francisco Lindor, who's won a platinum glove in the past. He's, he's always going to be in the conversation. Uh, you, you know, you see things out of him. The uh, particularly... Uh, the the bounce throws and the, the the short hop throws that he makes uh, from from shortstop with the quick release I think are you know stuff that we don't see often throughout the league and, and he just he continues to sort of impress you with something new every day. Uh, we have Oscar Mercado the, uh, the the rookie center fielder who, like you said, as long as he's in, he's in center, I've I've never seen a player you know not be able to to move over to left field or or whatever any of the three outfield positions like that and and just totally lose his mind because Oscar (laughs) Mercado was not good in left field but in center field he made some fantastic plays uh and Roberto Perez we're going to throw in there as the 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 third nominee because he led all all of baseball in defensive runs saved uh this year uh according to Fangraphs, and he's uh you know a strong strong candidate for a, a gold glove award uh from Rawlings at the end of the year when those are announced.
0: Uh what do you think of this field Paul? Yeah, I I like this field. I think we the Indians could have multiple uh, gold glove winners out of there. You know Perez what? He he catches over 100 games no pass balls. Uh, you know that's throughout insane. that's
1: insane by the way. That's that's nuts. That doesn't <laughs> that's crazy. Particularly you you're talking about a uh you know a guy who uh, obviously uh, Carlos Carrasco throws a, the, that, that split finger pitch, but that if it bounces, it's, you know, a wild pitch, but to still, to to never get crossed up and
0: to always be on the same page with these guys, that's insane. Yeah. That, I mean, and he threw out 37, I think he threw out 37% of the runners who challenged them just, and you know, think about, think about it, Joey. I mean, those young, those, those, those rookie pitchers, even, uh, you know, Bieber and, and, uh, you know Bieber and Clevenger and uh, Bowers when he was here. Uh, you know they always complimented Roberto and and just said you know um, that uh, he did a great job behind the plate. Now Bowers shook would shake off God if he was behind the plate. <laughs> he, not only that, he'd shake him off two or three times, but uh, nobody else shook him off. And he brought those young guys, policex Savali, along. You know, Plutko said he trusted uh, trusted Perez with his life. You know when he when he was on the mound. So. You know, I think that goes a long way in, in, uh, in you know, that, that says a lot about the, uh, the, your catcher. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was playing on a bad ankle. I, I still don't know. I know he was getting checked out to see if he needed surgery on that right ankle. We haven't heard anything. But, uh, you know, that's something to look into. Uh, but, I, you know, in the second half, you know, he wasn't the same offensively, but it never affected his defense. Correct. Right
1: uh it, yeah i i've noticed on a couple of his uh instagram stories that he's posted since the uh the end of the season looks like he's on some sort of diet so uh he's he's, he's posting pictures of his meals and he's uh eating a lot more vegetables and salads so we might see a uh a, a leaner slimmer uh roberto perez maybe next year uh to to try and uh you know take some of the pressure off of the, the knees and ankles but uh yeah definitely a strong season for for Perez, there uh, behind the plate defensively,
0: and and Lindor, I thought you know he had one of his better uh, defensive seasons. I know he made ten errors, but I thought he made his like you were saying the, the bounce throws. I thought is is just he looked a lot more uh, consistent to me. Just a lot more. Uh, uh, I don't know. Just you know, he was he was into every game. You didn't see that little slide sometimes like he has, you know, whereas. A little slump, you know, two or three games slump. He he just looked very very good, very very into the game. His arm strength looked like it was improved to me. And you know, I, I was talking to him about it, Joe, and he was said he said once, uh, you know, last year, two years ago, you know, they they uh, they had a rotation that struck everybody out. Mm-hmm. So there, no, there there wasn't as many ground ball chances. And this, this, uh, this rotation, put the, they, you know teams were able to put the ball in play more. He was more active, and I think that really improved his play. And uh, I thought he was – I thought he had a great year. And Mercado, you know, highlight real, you know, catching in center field. Uh, I thought he, uh, he had a great year. I think he's going to get better, too. I don't think we've seen the best of him. Uh,
1: as, as far as Lindor goes – uh, yeah, I, I, looking at the the numbers, the team numbers for double plays, the Indians are 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 way down low. You've got you know some guys that can can really turn the ball and pick it in, in the middle of the infield there, and yet you're ranking you know in terms of the number of double plays turned uh, pretty low in the league, and that's because of the pitching staff, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> when when it's the ball getting, is, that's a
0: good thing when guys aren't getting on base.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to play of the year. Uh, and we have a few nominees here. Uh, like we mentioned, Mercado, he made a catch uh, September 4th uh, against Eloy Jimenez from the Chicago White Sox that basically saved the game. It was a, a line drive that was destined to be a double over his head. Mercado reached out and grabbed it. Uh, kept all the, the most amazing part of that play was that it kept all four runners uh, or all three runners that were on base from scoring uh, because Jose Abreu uh, didn't have the presence of mind to tag up and, and score from third. Uh, basically won the game for the Indians that day. Uh, Another game-saving play was Tyler Naquin's double play against Detroit on June 21st. Naquin came in, uh, caught the line drive off the bat of Nicholas Castellanos, and then doubled up the runner at first base with a strong throw, Uh, basically pulled Brad Hand's rear end out of the fire uh, in in that instance as well. And then uh, the, the grand slam by Carlos Santana in Minnesota in the 10th inning, on August 11th uh he came back and had a walk-off home run the next night in Cleveland uh I believe it was against Boston but that grand slam was uh sort of one of those you know play of the year moments uh, uh Paul what do you think of the uh, the field of, of nominated plays
0: here boy those those are that's some tough choices right there uh you know Mercado's catch when he made it I thought it saved the season for him I really did I thought it was uh you know kind of like uh I mean uh it just looked like, you know, I thought they could ride that momentum to the postseason, you know, and, and get into wild card or maybe, maybe even catch the twins. That's how big a catch it was. And it was like a remarkable catch. The guy smoked the ball. I forgot who, who hit it. Jimenez, I
1: Elo- Eloy Jimenez. And then as, yeah. as he got right. to first base, he, he gave him the hat tip.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, Jimenez had that great series and uh, Mercado just made a great catch. And, uh, you know, I, I thought they, they could ride that. Uh, like ride, they rode Giambi's, uh, you know, home run late late in the season in 2013. I thought it was one of those kind of moments. Naquin's double, play, uh, you know, diving catch against the Tigers in the ninth inning. That was that was a great play as well. I liked uh, Jason Kipp, this is his comment after it. He said, uh, "Told a uh, make nice route, Magellan. He didn't exactly take a straight line to uh, to the ball, but he he made he made the catch. And and he's got such a good arm. You know, he's got that great arm and uh, and completed the double play and Santana's slam. Uh, big big moment. Gave the Indians took three out of four from the Twins at Target Field. Uh, the next night, like you said, he hits the walk off against Boston, and they go into the first place uh, for for that by a half game for one day. And uh, that so was that much was uh, the
1: peak moment of the season, right there, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was good as well. I you know I kind of liked I kind of like Mercado's catch. I thought that was late in the year. I thought they could ride that. It didn't happen, but it doesn't take anything away from uh, the catch.
1: Right, I you know what I'm going to go with uh, with Naquin's double play just because of the the degree of difficulty on that one was rather high. Uh, he had he had, had trouble with the lights in, in right field uh, in the past. He he talks often about there being a sort of a spot where you lose the ball there. That kind of ball hit at him, and uh, I thought making a, a practically blind catch on the slide and then uh, getting up and firing uh, you know with the strong throw was was pretty impressive. All right, moving on to our moment of the year, and uh, these are going to be uh, Carlos Carrasco heavy, but I think uh, everybody understands why uh, the the significance of of what he went through this season is isn't lost on anybody. Um, Carlos Carrasco obviously uh, diagnosed uh, in in May with uh, chronic uh, myeloid leukemia, uh, came back after uh, two and a half months off. Um, so our first moment of this year was, uh, nominee is uh, Carlos Carrasco returning to the mound in Tampa Bay on September 1st. Uh, Paul, you were there in Tampa. What was that like?
0: That was really a cool moment, Joe. It was uh, both sides, uh, both teams came out of their dugouts and, you know, were applauding him, gave him a standing O. You know, he's from from the Tampa area, from that St. Petersburg area. He had a bunch of fans there. Everybody uh, was on their feet, and uh, it was uh, it was a great moment. It was really cool. It was uh, you know one of those moments that that just sticks with you. You don't forget it. And uh, you know, like uh, like like uh, Chris Antonetti said, every time he pitched, he got he got uh, chills. You know, mm-hmm. every time uh, he uh, watched Carrasco pitch, he he got uh, you know chills up and down his spine. And that's the way you feel because you know you know, what he overcame, you know, just to get out there. And uh, it, was, it was a big moment. That was cool. All right. Uh, the
1: other Carlos Carrasco moment of the year uh, would have been at the All-Star Game uh, on July 9th. Uh, the, the All-Star Game every year uh, for the past few years has had these uh, stand-up to cancer sort of moments where uh, you come back from commercial and uh, all, the, all the fans in the park and the players on the, on the field are standing with signs uh, recognizing who they sort of stand up for uh, in the fight against cancer. And Carlos Carrasco was joined on the field by Terry Francona and all of his all-star teammates. Uh, that was a – that you want to talk about a, a moment that, that gave you chills, uh, you know, sitting in the press box at that game and sort of realizing what was going on at the time. Uh, it, it, it really made for a significant sort of poignant moment for us, for us all, uh, you know, what, you, you were there sitting right next to me. What, yeah. what, what, what were you thinking?
0: I, I was, I was really, uh, I was speechless. I, I didn't expect it, Joe. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't, it just kind of caught me off guard. And just to see, you know, Carlos and uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's Carrasco there and Lindor and Santana and hand and uh, Tito, uh, you know, they were, you know they had their arms around them they were all standing you know together uh that was that was breathtaking it was and anybody who's had you know and who's had their families touched by cancer uh they just know uh how that it's such a you know it can change your life you know it changes your family it changes everything about your life and uh to see that on display. And to you know have the firsthand knowledge of what was going on, it was man, it was that was a moment. That was uh, that was a moment, definitely. That was that was something, probably the defining moment of the season. To me. All right, we'll throw uh, we'll throw a
1: couple more nominees in here. We've got uh, Jake Bowers hitting for the cycle on June 14th uh, in Detroit, uh, in the first Indian cycle uh, since I believe Raja Davis in 2016
0: yeah that's uh right.
1: in toronto uh pretty big moment there for 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 jake bowers
0: yeah that was a great that was a big moment for him uh especially you know how what what an unusual season Bowers has had you know mm-hmm. he just he was he's been up and down. he'd been up and down you know he kept they kept running him out there every day almost they they were giving him every chance in the world and it, it, i think it's the tip of the iceberg with this guy you can see what he can do you know that that kind of that kind of talent is there, and now how do you get to it? How do you get to it on a more consistent basis? I think, you know, that's that's something the Indians are going to have to, you know, that's something Bowers is going to have to work on this winter, and the Indians are going to try to have to get it out of them, you know, in spring training next year and, and the years to come.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, and our, uh, our final moment of the year nominee, uh, the All-Star game, we go back to that, and Shane Bieber in the fifth inning gets MVP honors by striking out three consecutive National League batters in his, his first All-Star appearance. Uh, you know, that was an incredible moment, just sort of the energy that, that was in that ballpark when he, he struck out uh, Cattell Marte to finish off the inning. Uh, just pretty amazing, I, I thought.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, what was the crowd shouting? Let's go, Beaver! Let's was go, that-
1: Beaver! yeah. <laughs> in, in your home ballpark, in front yeah. of – you know, thirty-five thousand fans, and they're all screaming your name and chanting for you. That's uh, uh, on national TV. Game, everybody's watching. It's that—that it, that was one of the the biggest moments. I, I mean, he he pitched a uh, you know a, a real gem later on in the season in front of his uh, his hometown fans in in L.A. But still, you know, that's that's totally different in a, a half-empty ballpark in L.A. Uh, or Anaheim compared to, you know, yeah. your home park with people screaming your name. They'll...
0: The all-star game at, on that night, that's the only game in, in the in baseball game in the world. The whole baseball world is watching, you know, not from just coast to coast, from, from all over the world. And, and you know, what was the crowd chant?
1: Uh, the crowd was chanting, uh, let's go Beaver, let's go Beaver. But, uh, you know, after the game, we, we hunted down uh, Shane's dad, uh, sort of in the hallway outside the press conference room. and 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 Bieber's father's quote uh, after that was you know it's hard to chant we we asked him if 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 he chanted along he said it's hard to chant when you're crying so that was that was pretty you know I, and he's standing there talking to all these reporters holding his son's mvp award the the, the ted williams award
0: that was it's pretty cool that was that was the best that was that was some great moments you know you just you get i get i get fired up just think talking about all these uh these moments, you know, in the season that's passed, you know, sometimes you're just so tired after the season <laughs> that you want to forget it. But, right. Well, and the know.
1: way the season ended, uh, you know, it, it's hard to sort of go, take a moment and go back and pull all these great moments out. Well, here, Hoynzy, you, you said you, you get, get fired up. Here we go with the, the bonehead moments of the year. We're calling these the Manny Ramirez bonehead moment of the year, uh, plays, um, uh, Manny, uh, always, uh, you know, known for, you know, making his, his infamous goofs on the base pass in the outfield. Uh, but but you still man, sort of bum. He
0: was him. the only guy you ever saw that got thrown out trying to steal steal first base from second base. Oh jeez.
1: <laughs> it's it's amazing just some of the, the boneheaded plays that, that we've seen over the past year. Um, let's start with pretty much the one that I think everybody knows. Uh, Trevor Bauer on july twenty eighth. Uh, was surprised to be taken out of a game that he had just given up five earned runs in. Um, and he turned and he threw the ball out of the ballpark, uh, threw it over the wall in center field, uh, hit the batter's eye um, over Oscar Mercado's head. Uh, Terry Francona asking what the heck he was thinking when he did that. Uh, that's uh, moment number one. Moment number two, uh, September 28th, uh, Yasiel Puig, I'm sorry, September 8th, Yasiel Puig uh, You know, acquired in in July trade for Trevor Bauer, uh, doesn't run out a ground ball, hit back to the pitcher, um, and, you know, it just sort of turns and, and heads back to the dugout there in Minnesota uh, in the middle of a pennant race. Uh, that's pretty unforgivable. Uh, we have July – or June 25th, uh, Brad Hand giving up a grand slam to uh, Hunter Dozier uh, with a – I believe he had entered the uh, – the, um, the game uh, for a save with, uh, with a five run lead. I, I believe that uh, Kansas city rallied and, and wound up coming back to win. Um, and the last moment was uh, losing both ends of a bullpen game, double header to Minnesota on September 14th, which basically ended the Indians chances for uh, a fourth straight AL central division uh, title. So what do you think of the, uh, the moments? I, I know you were there for the Puig, uh, the Puig moment and yeah. the the, uh, the grad uh, the Brad hand grand Slam uh, what about uh, you know those moments stands out
0: for you well I think uh, you know of that of that group Bauer turning around and throwing a ball over the center field fence that's something you don't see very often, and I know you were covering the game. Tell me what it was like
1: oh uh, you know what i actually I actually missed seeing him. I was typing something. I had my head down and I wasn't looking at the field because it's, it's the moment where they're, they're making a pitching change. So that's when you, you're doing your typing and you're writing or whatever. Yeah. And, and everybody in the press box goes, did he just throw that ball out over the wall? And so I look up and I'm, I'm confused because I didn't know what was going on, but yeah. It, it, and then you're looking at replays and you're trying to find video and, and sometimes the monitors are on a little bit of a delay and I actually caught the uh, the shot of of Terry Francona saying, uh, "And I'll put it nicely: What the heck are you thinking uh, when when he approached Bauer?" But yeah, that was just a, it was a strange and confusing time, I guess. Uh, and <laughs> that sums up Bauer's career in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah i just i I didn't know what was going on when it happened and you know what what about uh, you were there in minnesota with the with the puig uh incident yeah,
0: you know the puig thing was you know I hadn't seen that in a long long time i mean he didn't even take a step toward first base, all he did was hit the ball back uh uh you know and he hit the ball back to the pitcher, the pitcher came off the mound and flipped the first base, and then he uh the pitcher turned around and looked, and there was nobody running. <laughs> He was looking for Puig, and and Puig was nowhere in sight. You know, I thought it was, you know, right away that uh, the Indians had expected stuff like this from Puig, you -hmm. know, and, uh, you know, just because of his reputation when they made the deal with Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, and to his credit, that was probably only the only time he didn't hustle. And, uh, you know, I thought I liked the fact that Santana, you know, took him aside right away, talked to him in the dugout. And, uh, you know, the next day he was running out walks like he was Pete Rose, you know. So he, <laughs> he got the message. He got the message. And, uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, they felt Tweeg would be on his best behavior, you know, when they got him because he had to play for two clean months to going into to the free agent market. And uh, he did that for the most part. But that was one, one little breakdown where he dropped his card.
1: Yeah, I, I would say th- if if you were looking for him to be on his best behavior, that's as close as you were going to get uh, in yeah. in those last two months. All right, moving on, our final award, uh, the Al Rosen MVP award uh, nominees are Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, and Roberto Perez. Hoinsey, uh, pick us a
0: winner. Uh, who, who's your MVP of the season for the Indians? Boy, that's a uh... That's, that's quite a field right there. You know, I. Oh.
1: You've got Santana is the nominee for the Hank Aaron award uh, from the Indians. He's the, 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 Indians representative on that ballot. Uh, you've got Perez who's going to be a strong candidate for, uh, a, a gold glove award at, at catcher. You've got Bieber who should be among the top. If, if, if not Bieber, then Charlie Morton would be the third, uh, uh, finalist for the AL Cy Young award. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, Lindor and Clevenger as always are, you know, in, in, in the conversation. So, uh, you know, what's your take?
0: Yeah, I, you know, uh, Joe, I, I think I've got to go with Santana. Just, uh, I thought he was, he kind of drove the bus to me, for me, uh, from day one to the end of the season. I know he kind of, kind of slumped it toward the end of the year, but I thought he was uh, you know a steady steadying influence in the middle of that lineup, and he never wavered. He was the same guy, played excellent defense at first base, and uh, you know really, especially in the first half, you know really was productive in the middle of the lineup. I, I think I've got to go with uh, Santana in, in, in that in that regard.
1: Yeah, I would echo your sentiment there uh, for me, Santana coming home. Uh, to the to the organization was a big storyline throughout the season and his leadership like you said uh, after a year in Philly he hey he didn't have to break any TVs uh, <laughs> to be a leader in Cleveland uh, that was sort of the one of the themes that that popped up there Jake Arietta from the Phillies uh, complaining about uh, Santana's infamous uh, TV smashing at the end of the 2018 season but you know he did it without being the the loud you know, voice. You know what he, he did it with quiet example. And uh, Terry Francona always says, "You don't have to be the loudest to be the leader in, in the clubhouse." You, you go out by by doing it the way Santana did it this year. Uh, to me, he's uh, he's the man of the year for the Indians.
0: Yeah, and I think it, You know, it's, it's I think it's easier for um, for for a regular player, a position player that plays every day, mm-hmm. to to be in that role. You know, you're, you're in the lineup every day. You're out in the field every day. I think it's a little tougher for pitchers, you know, uh, especially starters who are, you know, out there every four or five days, you know, to to kind of set the pace, set the example. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, w- to me, you know, th- that kind of award re- usually goes to a start, you know, a, a position player, a regular position player. All right.
1: All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our awards nominees. Uh, what we're going to do is, as we post this uh, this podcast, and you're listening along, uh, you're going to be able to vote this week for who you choose and and what moments and, and things that you choose for these awards, and we'll reveal the winners uh, briefly on our next podcast. uh, Hoinsie, uh the playoffs continue uh, in the American and National Leagues. The Yankees uh, punching their ticket to the ALCS uh, last night. Uh, things are are starting to, to get towards the uh, the point where the the league championship series, the World Series, are going to start. After that, then all the the fun of the offseason sort of starts. We're sort of in that uh, that holding pattern for the other uh, you know twenty five teams or so.
0: Yeah, there's been some great games so far. Been really, uh, the playoffs have been interesting to watch.
1: All right, we will continue to watch that and uh, and check back in on our next Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.